Welcome to another special edition of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. Thank you to everyone who listened to last week's look back at my conversation with actress Naomi Grossman. As I mentioned in last week's intro, it was really cool to hear about the prep and the process she went through to play the role of Pepper in American Horror Story. So if you haven't yet, be sure to go back and check out that fun episode. This week, we're going to continue going through the archives of feature presentation by revisiting my conversation with two local filmmakers, Shannon Williams and Renee Jordan. And what's interesting about this interview is it came out just a couple of weeks after I had revamped feature presentation to be a weekly live show that would be strictly interview based. And I'd wanted to chat with Shannon and Renee about their short film, The Skunk Ape, which featured a local cast and crew. I always love chatting with local filmmakers, and this was no exception. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Shannon and Renee. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Feature Presentation Podcast, where every week we take a deep dive into the trenches of the world of independent filmmaking. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and I am so excited to have my two guests on the show this week. We have filmmakers Shannon Williams and Renee Jordan. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Great. Fantastic. I've been excited to to chat with you two for it really since we booked the interview one because I haven't I feel like I haven't talked to either of you in forever. I know we'd see each other every month at the the meet and greets and then a little thing called COVID-19 hit and then kind of shut shut everything down. So uh, how how have you guys been? I know you've both been working on quite a few projects that we'll uh, that we'll get to. But um, yeah, how, how have you guys been? think busy you know it, it, I, I wish i was doing a whole lot more personally but um um i think pretty busy doing a few different shows and 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 things in um post-production and trying to write a little and doing a lot of reading and listening to seminars and master classes and just staying busy exactly what he said yeah just every time we turn around there's a new idea that we want to cultivate or develop so he'll start writing something i'll work on a screenplay so we're just trying to stay creative um even as the covid thing i guess is going away who knows but yeah (laughs) trying to stay creative well i feel like we can fingers crossed see the light at the end of the tunnel with with this covid because it's it's been cool to see you know projects start to kind of pick back up. And I, I feel like every time I get on Facebook, I see, you know, Shannon's on, you know, a new short film or a new series that he's working on, which is, which is a good thing. You know, it's, it's always good to, to have consistent work. And that's really how you, how you get better at it is you just do it. It's like a, it's like exercise. It's like anything you, the more reps you get, the, the more you do. So um, I wanted to start things off and we'll, we'll start with, with you, Renee. What made you both want to get into the crazy world of filmmaking? <laughs> I'm going to 100% blame it on that one. Uh, I, I am a, I've been a theater person. I've been performing in front of churches and audiences and stages for over 30 years. And it's something I've always enjoyed telling stories. I love to make people laugh. I've done it for so many years and I've never considered film until I met 
Shannon, who was doing all of these film things and took a couple of classes with him and just kind of got immersed in that world. And I won't lie, stage and theater are always my favorite thing, but it has really been fun because the cur- one of the current things that I'll talk that I'll mention at the end is a play that I'm developing into a movie. And man, is it fun to take an idea from the stage and, and use visuals. It is absolutely one of the coolest ways that I hadn't fully considered when it comes to storytelling. So it's, this has only been for four years or five, um, but acting for several, directing for 10. And then I've just fallen into this magical world of telling stories with pictures and I'm hooked, I'm really hooked. <laughs> That's how you know that the business has got you is that it's, it's, I mean, it's almost, it's like a drug. Like once you get it in your system, it's like nothing else will satisfy like that that creative itch that you get it's the only thing that will satisfy it but what what about you shannon it's the best drug it <laughs> truly is um I, I i i fell into it by mistake um i i had no intention of acting never thought about it i was always a big fan of movies and such but but um i never thought about doing it and then about a year after i retired from the navy my daughter um, I was working over in New Orleans and she said, Hey, I want to be an extra in a movie. And my first thought was, well, how do you be an extra in a movie? I mean, there's just nothing going on around here. I mean, that's a Hollywood thing. I'm sure no sooner did she say that than they, they, um, put an article in the paper over there that said they were looking for extras for a film called Deja Vu with Denzel Washington. And they wanted lots of people so they could pay everybody and put money back into the economy. And so we all auditioned. And um, when we got the part, man, I walked on the set, Derek, and it, I was I was altered right then. I knew that, that since I was out of the military, I looked at that and I was like, I don't know how to become a part of this because it truly was a modern day circus. And that one in particular was probably a hundred million dollar dollar circus Mm -hmm. it was um the the amount of professionalism i mean everybody just lived and breathed pure professionalism and i knew i wanted to be a part of it so it kind of started there but it took a while to get off the ground really well that's something that's always fascinating to me about your story specifically is going from somewhere like the military and the navy specifically to then to then acting in a, a funny story uh, about Shannon. So you were an extra in the movie Chef, which yeah. I I've been using that as one of the movies is kind of like one that I'm studying for my next project that I'm working on. And every time I get to the scene where they're when they get to New Orleans, I'm like, oh, there's Shannon just walking down the street. It's and my daughter. It's, it's so cool. My daughter's with me too. She's right behind me typically in those scenes or we're right there together or we can both be seen in the picture at the same time, which is kind of cool. Yeah. If you haven't watched chef, it's a absolutely fantastic movie that everybody should watch. It's, it's such a good, like feel good story that it is really like it, it motivates you. At least, at least it does to me. We, we walked on set that morning, me and my daughter, and they put us in, um, um, oh my goodness, what's the name of that? Uh, Cafe Du Monde. So we, so they see see this in Cafe Du Monde, and we're as far as you can get away from the kitchen against the rails, which is perfect, which is exactly where you want to be because you get to see all the traffic. 
and we're drinking coffee and we're eating beignets and there's John Favreau, you know, six feet away, just doing the scene and they'll reset and do the scene and just being able to sit there and, and, and be in new Orleans and drinking the coffee and eating the beignets and watching this movie guy that really knows what he's doing. Watch how they work. The process was just, man, what a great day. What a great day. Loved it. Absolutely. Uh, something else I'm curious about with, with the both of you. And again, we'll start with Renee. Now that you've both worked on you know your own projects in, in film and whatnot, what's been the biggest challenge for both of you? Uh, what I will say for me, and this is from a director's aspect because I have directed theater, but when you do theater, it's, you get weeks to play with your actors and work on things. And that is, that is not the case when you are on a film set, especially with, you know, you just have your actors come prepared and it's, it's allowed me, and especially with working on another project that he's in as well, it's, it's teaching me to find adjustments and things in the moment that make me a, still a creative director without having all that time to, to play around and dig deeper. So it, it's helped me in learning how to do pre-production, 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 um, and really teaching me how to direct on the fly and really change the, the tone of a scene a lot quicker uh, than I'm, <laughs> I'm used to operating. <laughs> it's been fun though. Uh, Kevin um, Amodavar, who shot Skunk Ape, taught me quite a lot because um, I did. I, I, I came to him in the pleading eyes and I said, I've never directed film before, so I'm going to need all the help I can get. He was absolutely incredibly kind and supportive and one of the best teachers ever. Um, so that's been the biggest thing is learning how to direct on the fly on film because you do just kind of get that. can't You don't have that time to per, per, perfect the performance and then record it almost. So it's different. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin is one of the best teachers, not just in the area, but of anybody that like of college professors, any instructors or teachers that I've worked with. Kevin is near the top because he he explains things in such a easy way to understand. And, you know, when when we worked on the, the referral right before covid, I was his AC and he would tell me, like, go to my truck or go to my trailer and find items a b and c they're at x y and z and i would go into his tra in his trailer and they were exactly where like i didn't have to go back and ask like because just he he explains things so well and he's such a great visual teacher you know he taught me a lot about how to see things from a visual standpoint and through the camera when you know we we worked on the parker syndrome so he's absolutely up there as far as like local filmmakers he's right up near the top for sure. But what, the what about referral, the oh referral God. was a great set, man. I oh, mean, that I, was so fun to work on. Um, just the way, the way Nick had set up the garage and it just felt like I had lived there, you know? So it was just, just what a great day. Absolutely. But Shannon, what about you? What, what's been the biggest challenge for you? Or what? I, I'm sorry. I lost the question. So um, when you transitioned into you know, becoming an actor and, and working in film, what, what has been the biggest challenge for you during your time as an actor slash filmmaker? Oh, there's um, one thing in, 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 in particular, one moment that really stands out is um, Nicole Dixon asked me to go to a improv class with Jean Marie Collins. And um, I remember we, it was up at PLT 
And she said, okay, Nicole, you are a mother, and Shannon, you are a petulant child. And right then, I almost walked out. I almost said, not doing it. Not, th this, is, this is not something I'm comfortable with. Um, and, and within a split second, I fell down on the floor and started throwing a fit. And I said, if you're going to commit, man, you got to commit. And, I, and that was a moment for me because I almost walked out. And if I'd have walked out, that would have been it. I'd have never gone back to it. And something made me stay. And I became a petulant child for a moment. And it was incredibly liberating to, to feel that and to be able to get over that angst of just doing something pretending in front of people you know i just that's not a box i was in that i was comfortable with and i think that night i pretty much kicked the sides of the box down and it was on it was on from then on but when you get put in situations like that if you have to do something over the top like you have to go all in or you don't do it at all because if you half-ass it then it's, it's going to be terrible it's going to be terrible so yep. if, if somebody asks you to do something ridiculous, go all in. Yep. Yep. Now there were, and there were plenty of times I, I actually got my degree from UWF in theater and there were, um, there were plenty of times because I was so much older than the average student. I was not comfortable doing what I did, but if I would just push through it and, and make myself do it, it became easier and easier over time. And that was a, kind of a big deal being real stiff on film and you know somebody says action and you just kind of freeze almost and to be able to get past that is it, it's fun it's fun it's got to be a powerful feeling too when you can overcome like that initial anxiety and once you really get going it's it's and then you realize like hey i'm not too bad at this like it, it's and it's it's fun so let, let's talk about Skunk Ape. So I, I've had the pleasure of watching it multiple times. Great, great short film. Very funny. Looks fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. So tell me how the initial idea for Skunk Ape came about, and then how did you go about getting the project done? Um, well, initially, it was just a concept I kept coming up with. And one night I was sitting around and, you know, it was a Bigfoot story. So I, I forget what, what I was listening to, but they said something about the Florida skunk ape. And, and, um, and I remember thinking, well, you know, I would, because it's almost like every time you hear about the skunk ape, he's in South Florida. And I said, okay, how can I steal the skunk ape, make him a North Florida character when you think when you see him you think north florida not south florida and i thought okay he's five nine he's going bald and he's got he's kind of mad at the world and i said there he is he was born right then that was me that was the skunk ape and um and that's kind of how he came about was was just playing with that idea and and actually i played with it for several years before i even put you know, anything to paper. And then someone said, well, hey, can you write, you know, write out a script? And I was like, absolutely. And um, and we were actually going to film it, Derek, and, and we were going to film um, the Skunk Ape and then have the Bigfoot come in mm -hmm. because those were the first two characters I conceived. 
And I, I kind of pictured Nicole, you know, even stand her on an apple box. So I'm just really out there. There's a, there's a scene where they come together and she's in a big red sexy dress. It's definitely not what it, what, what you saw and what it was Mm-mm. and what it morphed into because right. of COVID. And that's why, yeah. and that's what we were going to do is just those two characters. And, and a few um, short scenes. Was yeah. it just and, silly little 30 second, one minute, little funny skunk ape nose things. Yep. And then the day we were due to film, that's when the shutdown happened. And I mean, the it day. Was, yeah. It wow. was nationwide. Yeah. Nobody would leave their home. The project was off. So I just kind of had time to play with it and rewrite it and add more characters because I knew if I could add more characters, if we can make that happen, then we've kind of really kind of grabbed a piece of this whole canon of this mm-hmm. Bigfoot and Sasquatch world and we kind of yeah. grab a piece of it. And um, I've noticed, though, I've got to say this, I've noticed that some that people almost want it to be serious or scary and when they see it they're like oh i thought it was going to be serious you know no how can you do anything serious about a skunk come on man when it really boils down to a shannon just really wanted to work with some of his favorite people and do something silly and fun so that's what we did yeah (laughs) but but hey like that that's the advantages of local film is that you know it's it's a pretty it's a pretty tight community and you get to know people and it's like oh i want to work with this person and then you come up with an idea and you're like hey do you want to be a part of it sure and then you make it happen let let me throw this out real quick it when it did get canceled and we weren't going to shoot and we did have time to rewrite just some some phone calls were made. It wasn't anything concrete. You're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall. And I called Nicole and Nicole said, Hey, I know this girl, Brittany Rapice. She does um, prosthetics and wigs and Heidi Siren does um, costumes and stuff like that. So we brought them in and I expected to use my bald head as, you know, as the character. They brought in wigs and all this stuff, and it was one of the most amazing days. Incredible. Because I got dressed first and started shooting scenes with Scott Warner and David Mancos, and um, who were Skeeter and Donnie Jones, Donnie Jones and Skeeter. And um, so about every hour, I would go up to the house, and this new character would walk out, and I would just be blown away. And then they're laughing at me because they've never seen me before. Forgot you know? what he looked like. Yes. And I'd forgotten what I looked like already. And and it was what a great experience because just a simple phone call, you know, Nicole said, Hey, I know these people. And what they brought to the game, what Kevin brought to the game, what um, you know, yeah. Brandon Purdue and and um what they brought to the game was Oh my goodness! Was a production that should have cost, you know, ten, oh fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. It was, yeah. it was amazing. What, what, the the final product? I was, I was just blown away. It's very helpful when you're a director that's never done film to apparently just happen to get involved. Literally every incredible talent in their field that you possibly can together. Um, Brittany, Brittany and Heidi, one of the. And we did this also with Nick um, and Nick and um, Rob when we were talk. We talked music. What I love about the creatives around here Rob is Perez that 
like yes thank you we were, um, yeah um is oh, we would just have a conversation about our concepts for each character and these ladies were like got it and then came up with these incredible we we're like yeah all of that let's do all that they were just incredible people we they morphed into things that even he and i hadn't even thought about and they just came out and then when the actors put the costumes on and when you talk about putting on prosthetics and what that does to an actor they were seeing themselves in the mirror and my Sasquatch came out with a voice I wasn't prepared for, which was hilarious. And yeah. it was, uh, it was fun to watch them put all of that makeup on and those costumes and feel that power of these creatures that are gathering. They just had way, way too much fun. I hope we got, I feel like we got quite a bit of it on film. <laughs> it was that, way more than I ever expected. Mm -hmm. That's the, the number one thing that blew me away. The first time I watched the film was how, amazing the prosthetics look and one thing i was curious about because you hear these stories about how long prosthetics take about how long and shannon you can speak from experience how long did it take you to get the makeup and the prosthetics on let's say a, a, you could say an easy hour mm -hmm. for the face and the hair and um and she was she was cooking that day i mean she really she knew i've got to get this guy out and i've got to get these people in the chair um, so she, and, and plus she's got her master's degree in all this stuff. Professional with a capital P. And, um, she does opera and what she does with it, 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 it'll just blow you away. Watching her work was fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, we had even thought at one time, if we didn't have prosthetics, then we would paint our faces in a deep with theatrical type makeup to create those same effects. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, what you can do with, with theater makeup is, is just blow your mind. It's, but we got Brittany. But we got Brittany and the prosthetics. <laughs> we got so Heidi with those incredible costumes. And, yeah. oh, my gosh, we just told her, like, even the colors. We tried to incorporate the colors in there, too. And she had these great accents with all the colors. She was incredibly, just so wonderful going, I know what I'm going to do. I got this. Yeah. They were both just every fun. Every character, I bet, had at least... Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I would say 40, 50, 60, 70 hours of just for each and every character. I would, when I would write, I would sit and I would try to envision these people and not just the conversations, but where they came from and what they looked like. And, you know, I would use tribal, you know, from all over the world, you know, the Aztecs and Egyptians and used influences from Africa and all that stuff mm -hmm. to kind of piece these characters together. So what a trip. Yeah. Took a while. <laughs> and in a way, you know, by the end of the movie, I was like, we've created, or you guys have created the, you know, Bigfoot or whatever you want to call it, the Bigfoot or skunk ape cinematic universe, because you could do like <laughs> episodes yeah. of like highlighting each character and kind of give their origin and their backstory. Talked about thank you, thank you, because we've also talked about well, we could have one in Australia. Like, if you do the research, there yeah. are big feet type named things literally everywhere. We could have yeah. like a UN council. We've definitely talked about things yeah. because it's, it would be incredible to meet some more of these creatures. And we Anna. we entered um, um, the Skunk Ape into eleven film festivals, mm -hmm. and the only one well today is Flow Film Festival, which we haven't heard back from. Um, and Transylvania Film Festival. Those are the only two that are outstanding. Everything else, we 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 got we won one award out of 
out of the 10 so far, mm-hmm. uh, we were in Pensacon. That was the first one we had to get into Pensacon. Um, so of those 11, you know, things, uh, like I say, we picked up one award and, and, but it was for practical effects, which we're talking about right now, which really excites mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But, um, I did write a script just in case someone said, what are you planning to do with this? And it starts off with the Sasquatch at the UN. And by, and at the end of the episode, you've probably got a minimum of 50 different tribes out there from all over the world. You know, just, just these, Oh my goodness. We have names upon names of all these different, you know, characters. So the lore is worldwide. Yeah. I wanted to go big with it. Yeah. So it went from, from one to two to seven to, um, I need a Russian Bigfoot something. in my life, you know, like yeah. there's just gotta be so many out there. Yeah. No, th- my thought was you could do like an episode, like a 20 minute episode of like a specific version, like the Yeti do yep. one of yes. Bigfoot. Yes. And, and, and then in the finale, you could have them all like do your, your council that you're talking about. Like it would be, it'd be amazing. Like that would be extremely cool. We we did um, write it kind of as 22 minute episodes. And that's what we came up with. And I I wanted to be the basis of Donnie Jones and Skeeter and the skunk ape and their relationship, because, you know, it's just a, just three buddies upon buddies, man. They, they just fall in love with each other. And it's kind of set in North Florida, but, we get to see, you know, these different characters, maybe in the Hawaiian islands or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, all over the world. So you're right. It does. It opens up the entire mm-hmm. thing. And so. I'm glad that you focused on the skunk ape specifically because, you know, yeah, people, yeah. people that aren't from Florida might not be too familiar. Cause what I remember when I was a kid, I'm sure you both remember the old unsolved mysteries TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a story when I was like 11 or 12 on the skunk ape and it freaked me out. Like I was afraid to even go out like into the woods at night. Cause I'm like the skunk ape's going to get me or something. So but, like seeing know, the, the, the name files did that. The, yeah. Similar, like a wood yeah. man, you know, that was just part of the forest and, mm-hmm. and it was set in Florida. So yeah. it, there, it, it, this whole thing is was inspired off of Florida because mm-hmm. I was born and raised right here in Northwest Florida in Jackson County. My entire military career, people would hear me talking and say, oh, you're in Texas. And they all made fun of the way I talked to them and my accent and things like that. And, you know, Florida was always up here, the Redneck Riviera. I mean, we've got mosquitoes and we've got fleas and we've got alligators. I mean, it's a it's a mess, man. It's a mess. Skunk Ape talks all about it. So what you have to do is like all good comedians do. You embrace Use that. You, 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 you poke fun at yourself first so nobody's got any power over you. And then you show them who we are and what we are because it has to be Florida-based. Um um, I'm even kind of playing with two other scripts right now, three other, and, and they're all Florida based. They're Florida projects, man. I Waving dig it. Florida flag, flag saying, you know, bring the incentives this way, you know. And we need them. Yeah. 
We definitely need them. I, and I loved the the Florida man reference that was made in Skunk Ape. Because I'm like, everybody, if you're not from Florida, you know the Florida man situation, the Florida man Twitter page. It's it's worldwide famous. So I I, I dig you know anything that's kind of centered around Florida and specifically our era our area because it's just so interesting yeah. to me and it's not featured enough. Right. And there's some beautiful, oh my goodness, you know, even as rural as we are here on the I-10 belt, man, between here and Tallahassee, there, oh my goodness, we've got, you know, natural springs and we've just got some beautiful, beautiful places, man. Great for filming. And even though we don't have incentives, because there's no film shot around here, people are more apt to let you use their place or you know you, you know you may not have to go through all these crazy permitting things and, and such so this area of florida is made for filming mm -hmm. absolutely I, I feel like i even see places you know driving to and from work every day where i'm like there'd be a good place to shoot you know like something. scene a or scene b or like a dramatic scene or something like that so i'm i'm right there with you uh, something, Renee, I wanted to ask you specifically, as you said, you had never direct, directed film before. So this was your, you were a first time director. So how, how important was it for you to, you know, surround yourself with people who were more experienced? Cause I, I've, I've said, you know, with the Parker syndrome, I was the least experienced person on set and I directed the thing. So I, I wanted to have like a Steve Wise and a Kevin Almodovar there to, you know, essentially help me out and kind of feed off of their knowledge and it would really help me gain confidence. So was it, was it the same with you? It was, it was absolutely imperative that people knew way more than I did when it came to um, like talking about Kevin, who I will talk about to the end of time. Um, whenever you need somebody to figure out how to light a scene, when you want to shoot around a fire and you have all these creatures to light and all these different things to do, you get somebody that likes to use the phrase, I paint with light. Those are the people you're like, done. It needs to, has to be you. Cause I don't know yeah. how to do any of that. Um, you need the people who have worked the sound before and know how, you know, to, to keep sets quiet and how long before you yell cut. And it was absolutely imperative that I had some people around me that had been on sets before um, to make sure that, because I get really super focused on um, just watching and, and, looking for any moment to direct that I don't think about certain things and I'm, my focus is never on those things. So it was very, very important to have people who are willing to have my back in that area for sure. And Kevin is, Kevin is king. Absolutely. He really is. He really, he really is. is. I mean, if you were going to shoot a movie that you wanted to get into cans or Sundance or something like that, he's the only name I can give you. And I, and I would stand by that and say, you're not going to get any better. You know, <laughs> well, if, so, if I see a locally made project and his name is attached to it, I know it's going to look good yes, because I've, after working with him a couple of times, I know that, you know, the standard he sets for himself and just, you, you know, you're going to get a good quality project if he's behind it and he makes you better because of how knowledgeable he is. And the fact that he's, he's not one to be like, Oh, well I know all this stuff, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Like he, he passes that knowledge down, which is to me very rare. It seems like. 
very giddy about it. He loves what he does so much. And to watch his little face light up when he talks about his lights or his setups or different things when he talks about other projects, it's, those are the, those are the, Shannon and I talk about this quite a bit about the people that we want to surround ourselves with when we do projects. It's people that get really excited about that part that they play. Um, the people that really love that editing, um, uh, the people that really love the sound stuff, because because we're passionate about storytelling for sure. And so you want people in those positions that love that part of it, too. And it's not just a, another paycheck or another. And especially when you're doing independent film and it's passion projects, you thankfully get mostly passionate people, which is awesome. Those are also the people you want to drag with you if anything ever happens. <laughs> Take me all with me. So they're just incredible around here. It's just amazing it's fun to watch him work it is and i'm excited that more projects are starting to come back and it's making me you know excited to you know start working on on mine that i've had on the back burner since pre-covid so it's it's just good to see the area working again well listen before we get off kevin and and, and every kevin's all over everything the skunk ape to me is a type of of movie you could put on television and you could turn the volume down and it would get your attention it's that pretty Mm -hmm. i mean the lighting and every oh my god it's just to me it's just a beautiful little film Mm -hmm. you know so got very lucky very for sure there's a lot going on now listen yeah yeah for for those that I, yeah. I am I am thoroughly convinced zombies will be international. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an international film. It's going to get it's going to get seen around the world. Absolutely, I think Pretty so here. too. I'm I'm excited, you know, to to see the the final product. So and it's it's got some great talent behind it too. So it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Like I I can't I think, wait. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, I think you're in it, aren't you? Are you yeah. in that one too? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm in that one. In that one. And I can't well, then it's definitely going to be good then. Maybe I had a dream that I saw some special effects that I wasn't supposed to share, but I didn't sign a non-disclosure. <laughs> but I'm not kidding. Really I'm not good. kidding. It's gonna it's gonna get seen, man. It's gonna get seen. Yeah. Alicia Marie, let's drop names, man. Nick <laughs> yeah. Smith. But Alicia Marie, what she did with this number one, the script was truly amazing. She is quite it a was talent. Incredible. Yeah. And um the script is good. What she did, I don't know how she did it, but she did. She filmed a feature film, and it's gonna—it's right on the numbers, man. I can't wait to see. It. And she's someone else that I hope to to work with at some point down the line. I hope to have her on the show once once Zombies is about ready to be released. I want yes. to have her on the show. Yes, yes, she's. Um, oh my goodness, what a fantastic! She's like a giant movie, ball of light. That is yeah. just absolutely, yeah, she's incredible, like inside and out. And one heck of a writer. Oh, my gosh. That was an incredible script, and she's great on film. Like, I was like what don't you do? I just she love can, her. She she's kills incredible. on film. She, she does. knew that character. When she goes from director or producer or whatever position she's in mm-hmm. to actress, boy, it was just bam. It was, it, was, it was real fun to see. She's powerhouse, that one. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> one to watch. Mm-hmm. So I have one more skunk ape question before we before we completely transition off of that. I in watching the film, it looked like so much fun to make and, and knowing the personalities, I know that there had to be some hilarious behind the scenes moments. So 
whichever one of you wants to go first, what is one funny onset story that you could share? Well, I will tell you that in, in filming, and this was in the very first part of the day when it was just Shannon and and Donnie Jones and Skeeter and, you know, all of us crew out there trying to film that first scene where they meet each other. I hate planes and dogs and people on golf carts blasting country music. So this is, this is the noise that kept happening around us. And we've got, at some point, I'm pretty sure we have plenty to cut um, <laughs> a blooper reel just even in audio, because Kevin's quips about, what was it, a, what did he say, a bi-something plane? Because it was so loud. Oh, yeah, it sounded like an old bi-plane where the pilots were wearing a leather helmet. It just, it, those sounds would not go away. They just hung up there. And he would make the funniest little quips every single time we'd have to stop because of a dog that was terrorizing something or people on golf carts or the same SUV that would drive by every single time. Um, but we did. We laughed a lot just because they would, um, especially the snowball bit was one of my favorite things yeah. to film. That was that is my favorite bit in that whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, we threw we threw three of them at him. I think we only had three, so he only he got three in the face, which was really fun. <laughs> I don't I don't know of the funniest moment, but the most Funny fun bit. for me was number one. It was just. Golly, man, everybody there was just, it was just a big love fest. It really was. And um, and my daughter, Heather, is the abominable snow woman. Mm -hmm. So when I'm writing it, I knew, I said, we were coming up with all these crazy names for these characters. And when I came up with, for her, I just pictured her saying that. And I said, oh, my God, that's just, she's going to be so embarrassed. And she just killed it. She just, she owned it. And um, and the snowball thing, where'd you get it, my butt? It was just ridiculous. But as I'm writing it, I'm really, I'm thinking, I'm going to make committed. her do this. And she committed, she committed 100%. So. Goes back to yeah. what we were talking about. When you get an over-the-top role, you got to go all in. She did. Yep. She is her father's child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just in in watching. I've I've watched the film you know a few times, and every time the the number one thing I think of is that it, it just looked like so much fun to make, and it turned out so well. So I, I'm sure you're both extremely proud of it. So proud. Daniel Hem was the Virginia Woodbooker, and I wrote that scene because I I wanted him to have a scene. And we were way out of time. This was like midnight when we filmed so this last tired. scene. Long he time. had helped AD all day. He had helped do everything. It was crazy. And then that last scene, I felt horrible because it was going so, you know, I wanted him to have his moment. The entire scene, which has been edited, is over three minutes. 100% ad-libbed. One take. It's all one no take mistakes. Wow. There are really? no yeah. mistakes. That whole thing with the coconut, I mean with the with the pineapple falls, they ran through it. And then he comes up, oh, we don't have southern ed edamame. And speaking of edamame, all of that ad Oh my God, every bit of that was ad lib. We none of that was written. I didn't just, want to cut a second out of it, but we, we had, had to. to. It was really long. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that that, that, that was great. Minutes and, and you'd matter of fact, we ought to put that out. We should just, just the, the whole credits. thing un, unedited. It's there's some jokes that had to be cut that I really liked, but it was so long that we had to cut it. And we even slowed the credits down so we could try to get as much in there as we could. You could uh, yeah, release it as the director's cut. Oh my god, there you there go. It is. Done why haven't I done that? Why am I not doing that right now? <laughs> uh, that's that's fantastic. I had no idea that whole thing was ad lib. Like I was watching it, and I'm like, "This is really." And I was glad that Daniel Hemi got you know his moment because I I I I love Daniel Hemi. He gave me the you know the job Wait, working football with Channel Three during the fall. So I I can't say enough good things about him. Daniel's my hero because <laughs> I needed an AD and did not have one. And Daniel, bless his sweet, ever-loving soul, stepped right in and really helped me stay organized and would really, he, he absolutely, like, when I tell you that I was, I was wholly blessed with the people that I got surrounded with. I mean, um, can you imagine? He just, and then he got to do that at the end, all ad-libbed, hilarious. He has the best sense of humor. Like, they all played off each other, one take, just. I was like, you're picking up your person. So you got this professionalism behind you, helping you out. And I mean, it's like both of the, everybody there, it was, man, it was a mind bending experience. It really was. Yeah. Really was. Oh, but I do have one story and I can't tell all the details of it, but this was really funny. So it was getting really late. And as I said, sound has become, I think sound is the bane of most filmmakers issue, but getting that, apparently we had, um, an AC unit that was horribly loud and would come on every few seconds. Um, so I will say that in order to get those final takes when it was really late at night, there might've been things that a director just has to do to keep things quiet for just a few more minutes. So to my neighbor, I'm so sorry, but it was midnight. I'm sure it was cold enough in your house, but um, that was about the only funny thing that we had to do because I just got to a point where I couldn't, we had to stop. We were stopping every minute and a half and we were so close. We were so close to being done. So, Hey, and, and listen, one more thing too. The things we do. Uh, Brandon Allen Purdue did the sound for us. And Brandon had, to my knowledge, never edited prior to mm-hmm. the skunk ape. And so he gets DaVinci Resolve. He said, you mind if I try it? And we said, Absolutely. And um, he was our guy when he showed us his the the first rough edit. Mm-hmm. I fell in love again. I mean, truly, I was like, I cannot believe what yeah. I'm seeing here, man. This is yeah. so it's just like I said, you could turn the sound down. It's, it was just beautiful. And um, and then he kept refining and refining. And he did all mm-hmm. the, the if, if, if you see it, he did, it. you know, as far as the editing and the credits and all that stuff. We'd drive out there and he'd be like, all right, so I'm going to do this. And he'd show us a couple more effects or some little things that he would do with it. The more he mm-hmm. kind of played with the program. So while he was learning, we were too. And he really did a fantastic mm-hmm. job for having never yeah. edited anything. I was, he was a lifesaver. He, man. he really was because yeah. we weren't sure what to do with it editing wise. And when he was like, well, let me just get a shot at it. And the first one I was like, he gets it. So we just kind of fine tuned some jokes and put some reaction shots in there. And just, he really was, I mean, the amount, if you think we've watched it a lot, editors, <laughs> editors are the MVPs of watching something because he was on set too. So he has watched it in progress and then he's watched it probably a bazillion times. Um, and we are very thankful for that because he did a really incredible job and he's like a Swiss army knife on set too. So you always have to have Brandon around. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it says a lot also about his character and the fact that he 
took initiative and did something that he had never done before and had well, the confidence in himself to attempt it. Brandon had never done sound before until he came to one of the, the first Emerald Coast film group um, thing he had. And he realized there was a hole in the sound thing that Steve Baker had left when he moved. And he said, I'm going to learn sound. And I tell you what, he gets hired in Mississippi and Louisiana. He's hard now. He is working. I mean, uh, Jacksonville, uh, all over. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, learn I, it. I know. I know what film meeting you're talking about because that came up on my Facebook memories the other day. Yeah, and I'm me like, and you and him yeah, and uh, Steve were in the yep, picture. Yep. I, it's, I, it seems that, like yesterday. That, that really things started kind of changing for him as far as, you know, he was doing photography and then he saw that hole in the field. And mm-hmm. man, when he filled it, I've told his story of two, three hundred times to people. I'm like, man, this guy, and, and he did. I mean, he had Marvin Holdman, and Steve Baker, and Steve Baker helped him out even from long distance. Mm-hmm. So, Yep. And the Parker syndrome was actually the first set that he ever worked on period. He offered to help and I was like, sure. And then he, you know, jumped right in and you know, he was, he was an immense help. And then he was, he was like, I've never done this before. I was like, well, I guess this is just like for first times for a lot of us. So it was, it was yeah, 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 exactly. So as we start to wrap up here, I, I did want to ask both of you what what's in the pipeline for both of you now that, you know, projects are popping up, you know, in the areas or anything specific that either of you would want to talk about? Um, well, uh, front office is uh, the series that's being shot here, the football series, which is the only sport that I recognize. So um, Shannon is actually in that. Um, as the team owner in that. And there's uh, another actress, Ellie, who who I've met at PLT. There are several Alicia's in it. A lot of really familiar faces are in it, but Joe Cross is the one that's actually, that wrote it and is, you know, filming it and doing all this stuff. He is incredible. Being on his set is an incredible culture. Mm-hmm. So it's, I've been helping him with some directing, which is really helping me again, home that same, like on the spot, you know, helping, working with actors. Um, so that's going to be fun to see completed. Um, in the meantime, I do have a play that was locally written because again, go Florida, um, that did Mylon Smith and Paul Logston wrote that I produced at PLT and it did really great. I I sat in the audience, audience loved it. People keep talking about it. So I am turning it into a screenplay. And as I said, that, that, that's what I'm working on over the next two months is I, and I have, um, I want to, I want to use those pictures and those visuals to tell it. So that's been really fun because I'm not a writer, but it's kind of fun to turning them into some visuals. So I don't know, maybe I'll be a screenwriter. We can add that. Um, but I've already talked to several people about it and, and I will, I will be going pretty hard and heavy with that. Hopefully later by the end of the year anyway, about raising, I mean, I really want it to be, I want to be able to pay everybody. Like I have very, very big plans for this movie. Um, and some hopeful help from our theater community too, because I think it's such a great story. Um, so those are the two things that I'm bouncing around and then whatever he, you know, is working on and I'm around to bounce ideas off of. <laughs> um, like I say, the skunk ape, yeah. it, it was just incredibly fun. Um, I don't know if we'll do more. Mm-hmm. I would always be open to do more. I think this mm-hmm. is a, um, a character we could make as a Northwest Florida type guy. And um, 
and I just love to do that. Um, yeah. Zombies. Um, <laughs> I am super excited. That is getting there. Um, Alicia can certainly fill you in. And I think you'll probably have to have her on sooner rather than yeah. later because yeah. things are going to move, I think, with a quickness. And um, just just incredibly excited about that. Um, next weekend, we're doing um, open casting call in Fort Walton Beach. Um, they asked, but that's Alicia and Nick Smith. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, front office is just rocking right along. Ten more film days, and then they'll wrap on that, mm -hmm. and then we go into post production. And Joe Cross is, like I say, can't say his name enough, man. What, what a what an incredible script! Very positive was. set, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. I was in a film um, that's coming out called Condor's Nest by Phil Blattenberger, and. Um, and the lead in it, um, Jacob Keone is a he was in um, um, Point Man also, and he's got some incredible stories. I hope that somebody interviews him and he tells um, about working with Arnold Boslu, who is the mummy, and some scenes they had together and how Arnold just was just incredible. I mean, just just what you would expect in working with the mummy. You know what I mean? It, it was that. It just, everybody leveled up that night. Um, but Condor's Nest is a post-World War II. Nazis moved down into South America and um, try to establish a foothold, which is still, I mean, they're, anyway. Um, so I got to play a Nazi in a scene and got to sit between Bruce Davidson and Arnold Vosloo. And um, super exciting. Um, James Urbaniak was in that scene, and he did some stuff that'll just blow your mind. Um, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, sure. Condor's Nest, um, Zombies, uh, Front Office. Um, so many, all the things. What else? There's something we're missing. But, oh, Nightlings with mm -hmm. Mylon Smith and uh, Ray. Go right. And um, um, that's production it's a horror film they made and uh, all local actors um don hamill and who else there was all kind of people in that and they were great 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 cast so a lot of stuff going on there like i said earlier it's like every time i get on facebook i see that shannon's in something which is which is great like i i love it very, i'm very lucky man i think it's i think it's that the age you know people say you know, well, I got into acting late and blah, blah, blah. Well, apparently they need older people to yes. play parts because I'm just, it, it, I'm very fortunate, man. I'm just happy as can be to mm -hmm. do, be doing all these different characters and I will do more and more and more. I want to do more. So. Absolutely. Uh, something else I want to ask both of you. What is one piece of advice that you could give to an aspiring filmmaker? Shannon, we'll start with you. Oh, one piece of advice, I would say um, dive in head first, man. I mean, absolutely dive in head first. You, you got to commit. Like I say, I was kind of, I was, I always saw myself as kind of stoic, you know, not to, you know, I, I may not, not be the person um, doing slam dancing at a concert. I might be watching them, but I wasn't that person. And with acting, you have to be that person too you know, and just work outside of your box. You got to get comfortable with that. 
And um, I would say just dive in head first, read everything, look at everything, watch everything. Just just learn, learn, learn and watch yourself on film, too. Mm -hmm. That's that's a great teacher. Yeah. Watch um, yourself on film. I would definitely agree with the reading, um, especially when it comes to <clears throat> directing with filmmaking, because and I'm going to throw this out here. Judith Weston writes some, a couple of really great books for filmmaking directors. Only because what I've noticed um, a lot with directors for certain sets and things like that is just some people really don't know how to communicate with their actors. So anything that you can get in your brain or read or understand, and everybody's got different, You every actor takes a different method. Every, I mean, every actor takes a different way to work with them. Um, not everything works. So for anyone, especially that wants to direct film, make sure that you know how to communicate with your actors and you get as many resources in front of you that you can that'll help you um, on how to do that with uh, different types of personalities and different ways of, of approaching script analysis, things like that, and pre-production. Always pre-production. Have a plan and, you know, execute it. I, I, I truly believe we've got everything it takes yeah. to put a movie together um, that is seen nationwide easily. I mean, oh, yeah. they're, 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 we have the resources, we have the actors, we have the filmmakers mm -hmm. we have everything you need we do to, to and beautiful places to film beautiful stunning places so yeah i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more our oyster <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh what is your and this is for both of you what is your favorite movie of all time oh, man we knew you were going to ask this and we we pre-talked about this but now i'm trying to remember because i have i have two um under the Tuscan Sun is one because I just, I mean, come on, I would just want to live in that movie in those places and just, I want to redo a, you know, a villa and make it mine. Like, I just want to live that life. It's just incredibly beautiful and breathtaking and I've always wanted to travel. So it's something I have to do. So I love that because it just Im immediately transfers me into a world I haven't yet to visit yet. Um, but um, the other one is what dreams may come. I'm absolutely fascinated by not necessarily fascinated by death, but I absolutely love the different concepts people. And this isn't, I love watching so many things too, but I love anything that deals with death and afterlife and how we, what happens after we finish here is absolutely fascinating to me. So that movie is just incredibly painful and beautiful. And it's just so many things. So those are my, those are my two. <laughs> Star Wars, 1977 and New Hope. Um, I was, I was in the audience like everybody else with millions of people. I couldn't keep up with the words that were scrolling. I'm like, what are they, what, what, what's happening here? And all of a sudden you see the ship and the planet. And when the Imperial cruiser starts coming onto the screen, I was bent right then. I'd never seen anything like it. And then it just kept coming and coming. And like I say, that was the greatest scene of all time to me until Darth Vader walked out a minute later. And that was that was the greatest <laughs> scene I'd ever seen. Darth Vader it's, coming it's, out, man. I was a fan from that moment and to this day. I, I'm a Star Wars fan, so you're not going to get any kind of argument out of me. Like the when the rebels go into the trench of the Death Star that sequence is my favorite sequence of any movie ever made because everything from the way it was shot, the music, the tension that builds, you know, when Luke's about to fire the torpedoes into the, the reactor, it's just, it still gives me chills. Like it gives me chills thinking about it. 
Now, what was the episode that, that they kind of showed Darth Vader from the new? Um, that was the that was one not not part of any of the. It was um, Rogue One. Rogue One. When they oh. showed. Now listen, oh. you got to see his power in that, and I was like, man, if they could have filmed that, and they they would have done that, what they did then in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. That was awesome because just seeing him just move through there and just being Mr. Destructo, man. It was like uh, a scene was, out of a horror that, movie. Yes, it was perfect. It was truly per it was a perfect scene, man. So great stuff. Star Wars, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. And last question, do you guys have any websites or social media that you want to plug for people to check out your work? Um we do have the skunk Ave is on Facebook. Um, because I am still trying to convince Shannon to, to, to put the mullet back on and, uh, shoot some additional, just fun kind of clips, kind of what the original skunk ape was just so we can kind of put it to rest since it was that original idea just to maybe generate some traction to it's on YouTube, but you can also find the skunk ape on Facebook. Um, and hopefully we'll get to film some more fun stuff maybe for, it'll only take us like a day. Yeah. Um, and just put some extra fun videos in there. Cause who can't get enough of a skunk ape? But you can find him on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, the skunk ape, and it's hyphenated. I can't change it. It's a, it's a copyright thing. I was trying to figure out a way that hadn't been copyrighted. So yeah. Um, but yeah, the skunk ape, and that's that. That's really about it. Yeah. Um, my personal site is just Shannon Williams on Facebook, and the only thing you'll ever see me post about zero politics, zero. Yeah zero sex zero religion it's all about films yeah that's all like and lo the more local the better i try to promote everybody i can um we've got a list of about 80 names that we came up off the top of our head and mm -hmm. i promise you you're on that list yes you're on that list here and um just maybe number ideas. 81 out of 80 oh <laughs> no you're in the list um much higher you so, popped out of there way quicker than you think <laughs> we, and we were like, just Arr! really we weren't looking at anything we were going off the top of our head and came up with a list of lo of about 80 local actors that that we've worked with and want to get even more names so even in one project i would like to put as many people as possible i mean like if we could get all 80 or all 100 i would love in some to form that. or fashion yeah yeah i love that yeah. I love that. But Every, everybody's going to get their face on film type thing. Everybody's going to have that moment. You know, there's plenty of time in a movie to do that for. for Maybe know. not everybody has lines, but everybody gets camera time. Everybody gets camera time. You can tell stories without words. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I'm working on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did want to say to you, Shannon, because you've been like the champion of promoting, you know, my podcasting ventures the last couple of years. So I, I want to say, you know, personally from me to you, I very much appreciate that. It's very heartwarming when people, you know, share my content, but you've been like the most consistent one really dating back to well, like 2018, maybe even sooner. So I, I very much appreciate that. Well, it, the first time you meet Derek Diamond, you, you know what kind of man he is and you are just an incredible person and it just shows on all these podcasts. So um, I, I do try to promote you. I've shared your name on sites that were, I mean, like Kevin Smith and just all kind of 
people. I mean, mm-hmm. just all over. So, and hey, I, I think that's what it's all about. You're a great guy, man. I, we really appreciate you having us on here. He loves you, man. Um, I do. I do. Real. I do. No, I, I appreciate I want us all <laughs> to <laughs> succeed. I want us all to succeed, man. I'm not kidding. I love it. No, I, I appreciate you, you both for, for taking the time and we'll, we'll talk about, about working together. I, I think it, I think it needs to happen. So I, I, I appreciate you both for taking the time, especially at this hour to come on the show and, and share your story. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you again to Shannon and Renee for that really fun conversation. And I'm sure they'll be on a future episode of this show to talk about some of their upcoming projects. Next week is a special episode because you'll be hearing my conversation with legendary actor Vernon Wells. Yes, the Vernon Wells from Commando and The Road Warrior. We talk in-depth about the importance of villains in film and what drives him to continue acting. This is one of those conversations that if you had told me 10 years ago I would be having, I honestly would have laughed in your face. So hopefully you'll join me in looking back at that fun episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the Derek Diamond Experience at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You can find anything related to the show in one location. If you want to follow the show on social media, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Everything is at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And if you could, please leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more likely the show is to be discovered by anyone searching for filmmaking podcasts or podcasts about movies in general. And I believe that's going to do it for this episode. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun 4th of July. And we'll see you back here next Monday for another special edition of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. <laughs>